I am so excited to be diving into the four marks of a worship reformer with you this week. This book changed my life a few years ago, and actually the song Undivided on my EP was birthed out of this book. I felt convicted and built up all in the same breath, and it changed me as a songwriter, a worship leader, and deeply as a follower of Jesus. So let's dive in. This whole chapter really lines out how we have been compromised as a worshiping church. As we dive into it, it's really important for us all to remember that the church is not a building. It is us. God has placed His Spirit in us. He resides in us, not a building. Each of us are valuable pieces in God establishing and building His house. I listen to a lot of lectures from Bridgetown Church, and one of my favorites that they have put out is one talking through the way of Jesus. In John 14, Jesus says that He is the way, the truth, and the life. And we really love the truth of Jesus and can spat out all kinds of knowledge and Bible stories, which are important. We have to know God in this way to see Him rightly. But when it comes to surrendering everything and living out the way of Jesus, we often hesitate and can become compromised because we all have that innate desire to be our own God and worship the self. It is a long 12 inches from our heads to our hearts. And for me, I want that to be a path well-traveled in this life. I say all of this because this chapter is really about falling in love with the way of Jesus and how the Father intended the church to look like and operate. We can see that when the church takes its eyes off Jesus, things become chaotic, to say the least. In our culture, what we see a lot is we begin to actually look around at each other and start emulating them and convincing ourselves that that is true worship instead of looking to the source. If we're trying to constantly worship like the leader next to us or the person beside us in the congregation, we've lost the point. Following Jesus, worshiping is not a copy and paste. We are not trying to model each other, but our desire should be to model Jesus and to model scripture. On page 27, Jeremy says this, this model being that our duplication and pattern model is woefully lacking the fire and the purity of love, greatly wanting in the area of humility, holiness, reverence, and godliness. It's full of its own vanity, pride, and praise. He lays out this chapter in markings. Jesus had all of these markings when he cleansed the temple. So these markings are all an effort to emulate Jesus, to aid us in reforming and purifying the church when it comes to worship. So without further ado, let's dive into these markings. The first marking he divides us into is that they will have eyes and ears of the Lord. Discernment. It's such an important part of the Christian life. We have to pray for discernment. We like to act as though we aren't as feeble or uh, crazy as our Old Testament fathers and communities, yet we are just like them, fickle, in constant need of reminding, and we are worshiping idols and other gods. We have lacked the eyes and the will to see as God does, as Jeremy would put it. He says a statement in this chapter that has really shifted my perspective, and it's on page 29, and it's a really simple statement in regards to how we have gotten to this place. How have we gotten to this unpure and unholy worship in the church? How have we elevated entertainment over presence? And it says this, it can take decades of slow, subtle compromise. It's not this rushing wind and then it all happened in one day. Rome wasn't built in a day. It was our yes and our no. So our yes and our no today can change generations. It can change the church. It changes everything. All we have is our yes. So really the question is, who and what are we surrendering it to? 
He goes on to dive into how we as leaders have to be aware of the temptation to lead people into intimacy with ourselves in an experience instead of Jesus. And if we sense this happening, we have to immediately shift and put the attention back to Jesus. We have to pray for discernment and eyes empowered by the Spirit instead of our flesh. And I feel like this is a truth that we all need to hear, so I am speaking it over myself. This awareness does not come naturally or just magically happen. As leaders that God has entrusted to facilitate worship, we have to be in a deep relationship with God. It takes work as any relationship does. If you do not open your Bible all week or have a daily communion with the Holy Spirit, the temptation to lead people anywhere other than the feet of Jesus will be inevitable. The second marking is zeal for the house of the Lord. And I love that he references Isaiah and Isaiah wrapping himself in the zeal of the Lord as a cloak. And the zeal of the Lord is simply enthusiasm and passion for the house of God. God has given us a special gift to bring heaven to earth through music. And music is innately enthusiastic. It's fun. We get to jump around and we get to feel through rhythm and through notes and through sounds. So he has literally set the ball on the tee for us, anybody who really has a gift for music. Because we've all encountered God firsthand through our gift. In response, we've laid our gift before him, asking him to use it to build the church. Yet what I see in my own heart And in the lives of our team is that we often lose the zeal of the Lord as the years go on because it becomes routine. We've done it before and we'll just replicate it and get through it. But nothing about the presence of God is routine. There is always a new depth, a new revelation, a life-changing encounter to be had. And we've missed it. If we aren't on fire and full of zeal, expectancy, enthusiasm to partner with the Holy Spirit and host the presence of God here at the fellowship, who will be? We have to let the zeal of the Lord consume us. And if we haven't, where do we even start? Ask yourself what you are zealous for. There is something in your life that consumes you in this way. For me, at this point in my life, it's nonfiction books that I'm reading. I literally crave going home and sitting on the couch and entering another world. It consumes me. It consumes my day. So for you, maybe it's a sport or a spouse or kids or hobbies, whatever it is, once you recognize it, ask God to replace the zeal you have for it and impart that zeal onto the zeal you have for him in his house. And I, in boldness, pray in the name of Jesus that through his Holy Spirit, he would ignite the zeal of the Lord within you. The third marking he dives into is that they would be loyal to his heart and to his house. We have to reestablish his heart and vision for his house. We have to go back to that God's house was intended to be a house of prayer for all nations. And when Jesus cleansed the temple, he obviously saw that things had been distorted. If Jesus walked into our church or even our lives for that matter, would he feel the same? What distinguishing marks is he looking for? We have to ask ourselves this because we have to be accountable to God for what his house looks like. In its simplicity, it has to be a place where all feel welcome to come in and draw near to the living God. It has to host his presence and his glory because it is his house, not ours. Is our house a place that God dwells? Or are we in the business of entertaining people so that they'll come back and be entertained again and again? Is it a house that hosts not the glory of God, but entertains our own? Anytime anyone has a complaint about the songs we sing or the way that I personally worship, my response will always be that it's okay. It wasn't for you. And I mean that in the most respectful way, but I also mean it in deep rebuke because all that it tells me 
is that we have decided to worship the culture instead of God. And somehow we have prioritized our comfortability and our preferences over the presence of God. We as leaders have to shift this because this isn't about a talent or a production. It's about bringing heaven to earth. It's about glorifying Jesus and encountering his presence. And that will never happen if his heart is not at the center of all that we do in his house. And the last marking is that they will not hesitate to cleanse his house. Well, I obviously have to make a Harry Potter reference because duh. In the first movie, Neville stands up to Harry because what he's doing is wrong and it can get the whole house in trouble. And at the end, Dumbledore rewards him and tells him a actually profoundly rich statement. And it's this, it takes a great deal of bravery to stand up to one's enemies, but a great deal more to stand up to one's friends. We cannot waver. We have to get back to the heart of God and his intention for worship. We have to become accountable to each other and have a deeply rich community here that offers encouragement, but also is open to receive rebuke. But before this, we have to assess our own hearts because it doesn't start with calling out everybody around us. It starts with a deep conviction of how compromised our own hearts have become. Jeremy gives us a set of questions at the end of this chapter to ask our own hearts. And I want us to do this. I don't want us to rush through it. I want us to sit in it this week and really ask the Holy Spirit to reveal and break down these things in you. I picked three questions that I think are really applicable to um, our team and where we're at. And so it's this one. The first is, where am I addicted to the praise of men? The second, where am I crippled by fear? And the third, where is bitterness, jealousy, offense, gossip, slander, or malice at work within me. I know there is a lot of convicting content in this book, and I know that our team will be better for it. And I cannot tell you how excited I am that we are diving into something like this because no matter what, being on a platform is hard. It is hard not to want to receive praise and glory, and it is hard to shift it back to Jesus. And so we have to be accountable to each other. And I'm excited for what this will produce in our team, the fruit, um, as we are convicted and as we have conversations and as uh, we can kindly and gently rebuke each other and build up his church so that our church is a worshiping church. And I think that it will change the generations to come, the moments that we're spending in it today. And so I'm just thankful that you guys are diving into it with us. Keep chugging along just like we will with you guys. We love you and we'll see you next week.